Welcome to Curveball Defied. On today's podcast, we have the pleasure of having Spencer Correnti. Spencer received his bachelor's from Warrington College of Business at the University of Florida, pursuing finance. And on today's podcast, we'll discuss his real estate background, as well as his consulting experience at Compass Point Capital. Early on, right after you graduated from college, you started your career off working as a mortgage broker and kind of pursuing that path. Can you talk a little bit about why you initially wanted to go that path, as well as a little bit more about that industry? Yeah, yes. So, no, honestly, in college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I majored in finance and just tried to figure it out as best I can. And an opportunity approached itself to me um, at a mortgage firm. And I interned there for a couple of summers, really enjoyed it. It was in New York City. I knew I always wanted to live in New York City. Um, so I moved up post-grad and started my career and, you know, being at such a young age in such an electric city like New York, right? There's so many opportunities. And I think it's really up to you or to one to make the, the best of their opportunities. And as I said before, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I knew I liked finance. I knew I liked entrepreneurship. So I took this job in New York City at a, a residential mortgage bank, and actually, a few months into the job, um, I had a chance encounter. I was actually leaving the office to head to a, a Yankees game because obviously, there's a million things going on in New York all the time. And I had a chance encounter with someone in an elevator, and we just struck up a conversation. And you know, he knew I was young, and I was, I was kind of picking his brain of what he was doing and, and how he got there. He said he had just started a commercial real estate investment bank. And, you know, honestly, I, I didn't even know really what that entailed, but I told him it sounded neat. And he invited me to check out his office and, you know, went to his office the next day. It was only him in what seemed to be a hundred thousand square feet of office space. And he said, yeah, he literally started it two weeks before. And at the time in New York, as I said, I'm still trying to figure out what I wanted to do. So I uh, told him I, I would, love to intern for him after hours to just kind of get a feel of what commercial real estate consisted of. And, you know, again, just sniff out some other opportunities to see what might be out there. So I ended up interning for this individual for a few months uh, post work, I guess, like I would go to one job and then whatever, six, six thirty PM would roll around and um, I'd take the elevator two floors down to the next. And I did that for maybe five or six months until I started working at this commercial real estate investment bank full-time and then did that for a couple of years. And we, we grew it to, to be a pretty sizable and renowned organization. And, you know, it was, it was a really amazing experience that I don't think I would have been able to, to get involved with if, if I did know exactly what I wanted to do. Right. So I think not knowing what you wanting what you want to do and kind of just sniffing things out as they come along is is really important in in any any capacity for a young individual just getting their their grounding. For you when you started uh, Compass Point Capital, I'm sure you needed to have expertise and as well as other people in other sectors to come in and give you some advice as well as help with introductions to people. Can you talk a little bit about how your network was able to help you start Compass Point Capital, as well as a little bit more about what Compass Point Capital does. One of the most impactful and 
effective ways that I've been able to network is obviously by keeping others in mind, but keeping others in mind as it relates to introductions, right? There are so many people doing so many different things, as, as you said before, um, you know, a lot of times I'll come across someone who after chatting with them for a little, I'll realize they're in an industry that focuses on X, Y, Z. And, you know, I just had another conversation maybe a few months prior with an individual who focuses on that same X, Y, Z. And if I can connect those two folks together, I might not be able to do anything with it business-wise with those two individuals, but those two individuals might really enjoy an introduction and you know, might even be able to go on and, and let's say partner in, in some capacity um, in the business world. So you know, not only would that introduction that I make help those two, but then those two know that I was thinking of them um, and kept their best interests in mind. And I'm a big believer in the idea of what goes around comes around. Um, so, you know, do good unto others and others will do good unto you. So that's uh, that's what I'll say as it relates to networking. And, and now we can just jump on into Compass Point. Let me first give the listeners a background on Compass Point Capital. So, uh, Compass Point Capital is a philanthropic consulting firm really focused on the realms of history, American history, and nature. So our goal as philanthropic consultants is to preserve American history and nature. And we're exploring a few novel business ideas or business models in the realm of philanthropy. I do not think I'm inventing the wheel in, in any way, shape, or form. I'm, I'm trying to take what I've learned in my past careers in um, real estate investment banking and just apply it to philanthropy. Uh, but essentially, we're, we're working to advocate for both sides of the aisle, the donors and the nonprofits to help the, let's, let's call it a, a, a transaction, but help the transaction to be more seamless um, and to be able to help the donors be more impactful with their philanthropy and the nonprofits be more effective in the ways in which they can execute their missions. And in a sense, it's to better preserve and, and conserve American history and nature. So that's Compass Point Capital in a nutshell. And then, David, you mentioned, how did I get into the space? So, and, and how did I, I guess, work with other individuals to, to help me on my path forward? In Compass Point Capital. So as I said, my background's in real estate, and I really didn't have much insight into philanthropy, or at least much traditional background in philanthropy. So I always knew I wanted to get into the realms of history and nature in, in some way, shape, or form. Those are just two areas that I'm really passionate about. And like any typical millennial these days, right, we're all trying to save the world in, in some way, shape, or form. So so I was kind of thinking of ways in which I can do good, make a living and uh, do something that, that I'm passionate on. And I came across this concept of, all right, well, how can I apply my business background to the philanthropy space? Again, specifically in those two verticals, history and nature that, uh, that I am very interested in. And I started doing some research in the philanthropic space. And I found that, you know, a lot of a lot of the relationships in the philanthropy world is focused between either consultant and donor or consultant and nonprofit. And it seems like there's really a barrier connecting the donor side and the nonprofit side, at least in terms of advocacy. Uh, so 
I did a lot of research and, and a lot of um, outreach and cold calling to the nonprofit side, right? So pretty much for the first six to eight months of starting Compass Point Capital, all I did was really reach out to nonprofits and learn about their pain points and try to understand you know, what are they doing now? What are they being successful with? And, and what are they struggling to succeed at? What are their biggest barriers from to, of keeping them from where they want to be in the future? And a lot of them kept saying it's really reaching out to new donors and helping these donors understand um, that these groups, especially the smaller to medium-sized nonprofits are out there. So you know, with that in mind, it really helped us dig in and, and lean into this business model that we had an inkling might work. And, um, and we pivoted quite a few times and I still consider us to pivot um, on a, I would say monthly basis, right? We're always trying to refine our business model to get it to the point where we can do the most good with it. If you don't pivot, your competitor or somebody who's similar working in a similar industry as you is going to fix that problem and then you're going to become obsolete. That's why it's so important to reach out to um, clients and try to figure out what could I be doing better? What do you think could be done better? What would you do if you were in my situation? And getting that feedback is actually how you make your company bigger. And you may see a product be in development for a couple of years before it finally starts hitting the right pain point because every single person is different. For you, your problem may be, okay, this is amazing. This is amazing. But to another person who may have that same issue, they may be like, okay, your solution is fine. But if you put this other thing in it, then it could be better. And you want to make your product as better, the better, the, the better is never worse. So that's kind of like the important thing of how you were talking about how it's important to take those little pivots every single month. And it doesn't, it shouldn't strive you as like, okay, now I'm going to be going this less successful path. It's actually like I'm making my company better. Even though I put in so much work, this is actually going to make my company better. And you mentioned a little bit about- No, and I, I, I agree with that, David. And there's one point I want to add. I think you're absolutely right. You can't be married to an idea um, and you got to really drop your ego, right? If you have a great idea and you're touting it as the best idea, it really might be the best idea today, but you know, two weeks from now, that idea could be obsolete, right? I think in order to truly be successful, like you, as you said, you really have to listen to your audience. You have to listen to your clients and you have to have their best interests in mind. And having their best interests in mind isn't the same. I mean, it's not the same solution in every industry and every job, but, you know, if you can just think of how to make your client's lives easier based on, you know, the product that you're, you're providing, that could go such a long way. And it's not even just your clients, right? It could be your boss. If you're looking to get a promotion, um, how can you make your boss's life easier? You know, put yourself in their shoes, proactively think about, you know, well, is there a way where you can come up with different strategies or you can book meetings with different groups or just continue working the way that, that you're working? If you can alleviate those pain points for the groups that you're serving, that's going to, to make a world of difference for those groups. And they're really going to appreciate the fact that you're proactively thinking of them and you're trying to help them with what they're doing. Um, and if it truly is helping them, they're going to come back to you, right? I mean, if, if someone's doing good work for you and you're able to do better work because of that person's work that they're doing for you, they're 
a hundred percent of the time going to to come back to you. And you know, I think that's that's the name of the game in business, right? Especially as an entrepreneur trying to to nail down getting some clients and make their lives easy, give them good work, and they're going to want to continue using you. Well, that sounds quite amazing. And it one thing that I think is really interesting is that you are able to build one business kind of off the other and use customer feedback to make your business where it is today. And it sounds like you're thriving and you've been able to gain a lot of knowledge basically by asking customers what they thought they wanted and developing it. Uh, can you talk about uh, what would you do if, wait, my bad, let when, when, when me re-ask the question. If no, I, you're, you're totally fine. If everything you were ever taught was erased and you could only leave one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? That's a great question. Now, can I kind of go back? Can, can we like take this part out? You asked a really good question before too, um, where, or I guess it was more of a statement, but you said, it sounds like you're thriving. And you know, I would be the first to, to tell you, I'm absolutely not thriving by any way, shape or, or means, right? Um, but I think that's part of the beauty of entrepreneurship. I think even if you ask, I mean, this, this might be a little bit of an extreme example, but even if you ask some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our generation, um, if you tell them, hey, you're thriving, I'm sure they would say, absolutely not. I'm not thriving, right? Because I think in an entrepreneur's mind, there are so many hurdles on the horizon and you're always looking forward and you're not really looking back. So having these conversations when I am kind of thinking about some of the things that we've done, some of the great accomplishments that I've had, um, which again, aren't even that great, but even just signing up one client in, in hindsight, I consider that to be an amazing accomplishment because it's taking this idea and, and building it to a sense where not only are other people verbally aligned with your idea, but you know they're actually, they bought into the sense where, you know, now they're actually willing to, contribute money to the the idea that you had. And, you know, when they're reoccurring clients, they're contributing more capital. And that means that not only did they think it was a good idea, but they knew it was a good idea. And they knew that you were able to actually provide them with um, more benefits than their, or you're able to provide them with um, a higher, how, how am I trying to say this? Essentially, they're willing to pay you for the value that you're bringing, and they wouldn't be paying you if they didn't think that you were bringing value. So even those, those smaller victories you know, feel like huge accomplishments, but you're never, you're never really there as a business builder, right? You're always trying to, to get better, to get larger if, if that's applicable, but it's, you know, you're always trying to, trying to solve more people's pain points. So you know, looking back at things, it does seem like, hey, these are some pretty decent accomplishments. At the same time, I'm nowhere close to where I want to be. Um, and, you know, every other day, I feel like I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting the elements, right? It's, 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 it's very nerve wracking uh, to the sense that there are times where I'm, I think, wow, like, I'm, I'm a failure, right? Um, and I think that's a, an, I don't want to say an issue with entrepreneurs, but it's something that people need to, to kind of take with a grain of salt, where if something happens that it's not really aligned with your, 
your end goals, right? Or it's a hiccup. You have to identify that hiccup as exactly what it is. It's just one hiccup on, on the larger road forward. And um, you can't let it get in the way of the greater vision. So to that extent, I would say, you know, I appreciate you saying that. It sounds like I'm thriving, um, but it's not, it's not really a, a sense of thriving. It's just a, a sense of doing and continuing to do. It's like Nike's saying, right? Just do it, right? And then you just got to do it. You got to keep going. You can't ever get too high. Can't ever get too low. So sorry for that tangent, but it was, uh, it's something that I like sharing with younger entrepreneurs who say, hey, they want to get into it. It's definitely not rainbows and butterflies. It's a lot of hassle, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, but it's incredibly rewarding as well. And it's just keeping an even keel and following your North star forward and trying to make it. Wow. Thank you so much for coming on to today's podcast. We had a great time chatting with you as well as learning more about some of your accomplishments and the work that you've been able to accomplish so far in your career. If you have anything you want to say to the audience, now is your chance. Thank you so much again for coming on to today's podcast, Spencer. Yeah, I appreciate that, David. Absolutely. It was, it was an honor to be here. I think uh, what you and Michael are doing is phenomenal. I think if I could leave any words of wisdom to the audience, I would say, you know, just do it. Take that first step, right? I know myself included, but I know so many people who have a great idea and they're just, they keep telling themselves, well, now's not the right time to do it. You know, I'll wait for this. And I think you just, if there's something you ever want to do, you just kind of have to run with it. And there's never going to be an opportune time to go forward with, with whatever idea you might have. So if not now, then when, right? Jump into the water and see if, uh, if you can, if you can make it and you don't have, you know, scratch this. This was, this was, uh, a, a, a poorly worded um, advice. Poorly worded advice. We'll we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll fix it and we'll make everything look great. Don't worry about it, Spencer. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, but I I appreciate your time and I'm gonna go for it one more time if you don't mind. I would say, you know, if uh, any any words of advice I could give is, I'm kind of like Nike's catchphrase: "Just do it." The I like the phrase, if not now, then when, right? If you have an idea, you don't have to jump into the deep end right now to pursue it, but you can start thinking about it, right? You can start asking questions, get the gears moving and um, journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. If you don't take that first step forward, you're never going to be able to take the second or third or fourth or realize, hey, maybe this isn't a path you want to go down. So I would say, just go after it and that's really it.